You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Good morning. It's good to see you all. You got great energy. Can you bring some of that to my church in Alabama? I think we could use that. I think you could appreciate that. Hey guys, if you have a Bible, go to Ruth chapter 1. Um, I'm so excited to be with y'all this week. Uh, we're going to be hanging in the Old Testament a lot, Ruth chapter 1. Um, have just enjoyed every single moment of being on campus so far. The prayer walk last night was just incredible. And uh, thank you to every single one of you that wrote me a prayer card. Oh my goodness, that was so huge. I was getting those in my apartment in Alabama, and it's such a gift. Um, hey, I have three purposes for this morning's session. Uh, the first one is I want to have a moment of prayer. The second is I want to paint a picture from Ruth chapter 1, and a third, I want to invite you into the rest of the week. Um, I just want to, really felt prompted I was supposed to start this way, I just want to kind of take a moment before we get into Ruth chapter 1 and just declare with you uh, our need for the Lord this week. Uh, I need the Lord this week. Uh, I need the Lord right now. You need the Lord this week uh, to speak to you. So before we get into Ruth 1, can you just kind of hold that passage for just a second, and can we just take a quiet moment? I just would love to have you pause Pray in your own heart, your own mind, for the Lord to speak to you, for the Lord to speak to me, or for him to fill us both, okay? Let's pause for a moment of prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Ruth chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. Let's do this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they lived there about ten years, both Malana and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. There's three verses that are the most important verse in the book of Ruth. Uh, These verses set up those three verses that are the most important. Because of that, I want to reread these again. And this time, can you direct your eye to Naomi? All right, let's reread these again and go back to verse 1. And this time you're going to look specifically for Naomi. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, 
there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard of Moab, the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness. You've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you a fine rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. Guys, verse 1 says, In the days when the judges ruled, if you go back to the book of Judges, the most occurring phrase is, And the Israelites again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The second most occurring phrase is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So the book of Judges, you could just say, is a season where Israel is not really sure what's right. They're in this spiritual cycle of sin, so we're hopping into the story at a time when God's people are not doing well. Uh, We're told in that season there's a famine in the land. A famine is a lack of food. We don't know why there's a lack of food. Could have been a bad harvest. Uh, Could have been a drought. We're not sure. And we're told that there's this family from Bethlehem that's experiencing the famine. Now, Bethlehem literally means bayit lehem, house of bread in Hebrew. So Bethlehem is the center of bread sourcing for that region. They do bread. They're really good at bread. So if Bethlehem has a famine, we're screwed, like there's a problem, okay? This is a bad, bad famine. And we're told that in Bethlehem, in the midst of this famine, in the midst of this season of spiritual confusion in Israel, there's this family, okay? The book of Ruth is a story of a family, uh, like Star Wars, like Lord of the Rings, any good story is usually the story of one family. We got a four-person family here. We got Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Killian. These four go to Moab, about 50 miles away, seven to 10 days through mountainous roads, desert roads. They get to Moab and the two sons marry. The four family has now gone to a six person family. We've added Orpah and Ruth. And it says that they live there about 10 years. Elimelech dies. Okay, the husband dies. The six family has gone down to a five person family. Then the two sons die. And notice that when these deaths happen, we're told Naomi was left without her husband. We're not told how Orpah and Ruth felt. We're told how Naomi felt. When the two sons die, we're not told how their wives felt. We're told Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So the author of Ruth is dropping these little hints. Hey, Naomi's actually the main character of this chapter. We're meant to focus on Naomi. We're meant to see Naomi's emotions, okay? So you're thinking an ancient Near East woman in the middle of a famine. She's got no providers, no protectors. It's a really, really difficult time. And then verse 6, when Naomi heard in Moab the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. Y'all, this is the first mention of God's activity in the book of Ruth. The first time Naomi hears about God, he's distant, He's active somewhere else, really far away. That's probably how Naomi felt in this season. So what does she do? She gathers her two daughters-in-law, and she says, we're going back. And verse 7 says, they start on the road back. So can you picture this? It's these three women starting on this 50-mile journey, seven to ten days. They have no husbands to protect them, nothing to help them. And we get in the middle of this road, this conversation. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. 
May the Lord grant each of you a fine rest in the home of another husband. So Naomi still believed God's active in providing food for his people. She still believes God's kind. Why else would she bless them with God's kindness? She believes that God is a God that grants rest. So in the midst of this, Naomi still held on to a pretty strong faith. I'm very much a visual person, so I'd like to visualize this passage with you for a second. When verse 1 says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, we're talking about this lack, right, this season of lacking food. This season of having absolutely nothing. I need to pause and think about that for a second. Hmm. Hmm. Let me pause for a moment. Pray with me for a moment as we keep doing this, okay? As we keep seeing this. Holy Spirit, in this come. Speak to us even now and help us to see this passage. We submit to you. We submit to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll do that from time to time. We'll just pause and pray. I think prayer and preaching are really connected. So visualize this passage with me. Um, I got a baseball uh, base up here. Let's say this baseball base represents the concept of famine, okay? So the passage opens up, and there's a famine in the land. There's a lack of food, all right? But we kind of read throughout the story, Naomi, our main character, is going through multiple types of famine. She doesn't just lack food. Uh, she lacks a husband. Well, in their culture, the husband is the provider. That means she has a financial lack, right? In this season, she lacks a husband who's her protector, so she has a lack of safety, she has an emotional lack of somebody to do life with. So you might say that famine, in a sense, has kind of become Naomi's home base. She's lived here for 10 years. And if you go on later in the book, you find out that Naomi later on has lived in famine for so long, she actually thinks that God's rejected her. She says, God, my name's not Naomi, pleasant. My name is Mara. My name is bitter because, God, you've rejected me. Like, she's lived in this place of famine for so long. It's deeply impacted how she sees God. Now, what's cool is, in spite of being here, she still believes in God. Right? She's not become an atheist. She's not become a deist. She still believes in a good God who's active in the world, and she still thinks that in the midst of this, God does good things for his people. So there are some of you today that might relate more to Naomi in this passage. There might be some of you today that say, hey, life right now has dropped a famine in my lap. You might say life right now has dropped in my lap a season of lack in some way. Maybe you feel like you're lacking financially right now. Maybe you feel like you don't have a good friend group right now. Maybe it's a season where you're struggling with mental health. Maybe there's some significant lack in your life. And if you're like me, when I experience this, my first thought is to do what Naomi did and say, God, are you against me? And I want to tell you something. If you're experiencing famine or lack, that does not mean God's against you. Okay, we don't believe that. There's too many examples of people in the Bible that had lack and famine that God was for. Actually, I would take a step further than that and say, if you're experiencing lack, you actually might be in a spot where God's about to do something great. Some of you might be here, you might relate more to Naomi in this season, 
where you say, I just feel distant from God. I just feel like God's far away. And that might be where you come into Spiritual Emphasis Week at, saying, I don't feel close to God. I'm in a Naomi spot. It does not mean God's against you. It does not mean God is distant. You may be at the beginning of a great story. Some of you might find yourself more like Ruth, though. Uh, so when I went to college at Indiana Wesleyan, uh, there was a girl her junior year, her name was Katie, and uh, Katie decided she wanted to go study abroad uh, for three months. So Katie picks the country of Lithuania. Uh, she goes to Lithuania, studies there, and uh, when she was uh, there for about a week, um, Katie said, I really want to go get involved and pour back into the community. Um, so Katie chose an orphanage in Lithuania to go to. So she walks in this orphanage day one, and she's greeted by all these beautiful little children, and Katie notices out of the corner of her eye this little boy who's kind of holding back from the other kids. And she asks one of the workers, hey, who's this little boy? Like, who's this little kid? And they say, oh, that's DeMontis. And, and she finds out that this kid, DeMontis, that caught her eye, he's on the edge of failure to thrive. He was just so malnourished as a kid, he was not taken care of, uh, he was not uh, helped, that he's probably not gonna make it. That's what they're thinking. This little boy, is just, he does not have a good chance at living life or developing fully. And when Katie finds that out, her heart just goes out to him. And she just feels like, man, I really want to love on this boy. So every day for the next several months in Lithuania, Katie would go to this orphanage and she would go see DeMontis. And she would love on him and he wouldn't make eye contact with her. He would be really hesitant to touch. I mean, he was just very, very standoffish, didn't have any social skills, anything like that. And a couple months into her time there, one day Katie's wearing her hair in a braid and she kneels down to do some tasks and she feels this little hand stroke the back of her braid. And it's DeMontis. He really slowly starts to warm up to her and uh, starts to come near her. And a couple months into her time there, Katie hears the Holy Spirit say, Katie, I want you to adopt this little boy. I want you to adopt DeMontis. And guys, she's 21 at the time. I mean, her mind is flooded with all the reasons why this is crazy. God, I can't do this. Uh, God, I don't have money to do this. God, this is not in my plan. God, my parents will think this is crazy. And she keeps having this conversation with God and saying, God, if I do this, I'm really scared. She gets really honest with God. She says, God, if I do this, I'm afraid that I'm not gonna get married. Because what kind of a husband's gonna wanna step into this situation? I told you guys there's three verses in the book of Ruth that are the most important verses. I want you to turn to those. Skip with me to verse 15. Okay, this is Ruth 1, 15. Remember, they're on this desert road. They're having this conversation. They're going back to the land of Judah. And verse 15, Naomi says, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. 
So Ruth's watching this whole thing, right? Ruth's watching Naomi have this season of famine in her life. Ruth's watching for 10 years Naomi believe in a God and believe in God's faithfulness, even though she's in a season of famine. And something about watching that deeply inspires Ruth. That's the only reason we have for Ruth making this vow. She must have seen something in Naomi, a rootedness that made her say, man, I want that God. And Ruth's watching this, and Ruth's given a chance to walk with Naomi in famine or to leave this and go. Go back to the land of Moab. And guess what? That's what her sister-in-law does. That's what was familiar to her. Why are we reading about Ruth today? Because she chose to follow God's people, Naomi, and to follow God's presence over doing what was familiar and accepted in her age bracket, in her culture. That's what changes history. When young people say, I can do what's familiar to me, or I can follow God's people and God's presence and do something that is not familiar and culturally not acceptable, and that's always what changes history. Katie's given a chance at doing that, and what does she decide? She says, God, I'm willing to adopt this little boy. Ruth's given a chance to turn back from Naomi or walk this way, and she says, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Highly unlikely Ruth just came up with that statement. Are you kidding me? They're in the middle of a desert road. This is probably either prophetic, meaning the spirit of the Lord stirred it up in her and it just came out, or this is premeditated. Ruth's been thinking about this. She's been wondering about this. She's been saying, I think think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to follow God and God's people in this. For some of you, spiritual emphasis week, this week, it's a Naomi week. That means you're right here, you're in a season of famine, you're in a season of lack, and literally you just need to be reminded that God is not against you and he's not distant, and that he sees you. And guess what, when it feels like God's distant, what does he do? He provides God's people, Ruth, to walk with you. When you can't see him, when you can't feel him, to feel the church. But some of you are here and you're not in a season of famine. And for you, this week, Spiritual Emphasis Week, is more of a call to be Ruth. What does that mean? It means you are called to follow God's people and God's presence beyond what is familiar and comfortable for your age bracket. I fully believe that when young people do that, when young people especially are willing to surrender their 20s to the Lord, Something happens. Something really special occurs. I remember when I was in college, uh, we had these different uh, ways we would grade our assignments and our tests. Uh, These little sheets of paper that said, this is an A, this is a B, this is a C, a a rubric. Well, there's a rubric generally for how you're supposed to live your 20s. There's a rubric that says what success looks like in your late teens and 20s. Are you gonna move to the right city? What are you gonna major in? Who are you gonna marry? When Katie chose to follow the Lord and be radical, she put that rubric on the altar. And she said, I'm willing to bet to surrender where I move, what my major is, and who I marry. I'm willing to surrender the rubric for my 20s to follow the Lord. And that's really only something you can do if there's a radical trust in you that is built from spending time with the Lord, but that's the call this week. I wanna invite you um, 
Just to bow your heads for a moment. Just close your eyes. I'm going to invite you to think about which of these two spots do you feel like you connect with more, this Naomi spot or this Ruth spot? Is this more of a season of lack? Or is God inviting you deeper to surrender your 20s to him? If you're willing, I'd love to just invite you just right there where you're at, just to hold out your hands um, just as a, a sign of willingness and openness to the Lord for whatever he has for you for this week. Would you just take a brief moment, would you just invite him to do what he wants to do in you this week, in that Ruth spot or that Naomi spot? Just take a moment in your own words and do that. invite the worship team to come on back out and to close this as I just pray for us and agree with the prayers you've been praying. Holy Spirit, we just ask for this campus that you'd meet those of us that feel like we're in a Naomi season. God, that feel distant from you. God, we pray for anybody in the room right now that just feels like you have not been near or not been present, and we ask that this week you would draw near to them, God. God, we pray for anybody that feels like you're calling them to be a Ruth, to step out and do something completely different, Lord, with their young years. I pray you'd give them the same boldness that Ruth had and the same spirit of faith she had, Lord. God, we invite you to draw near. We invite you to be close this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.